0: step into the world of advertising with Fjordcast, predicting the most important trends in the advertising industry. Host Tim Barsness dishes on the latest developments within the advertising realm. Tune into the Cast to receive insider tips and advice from experts within the advertising industry. Fjordcast is your first stop in hearing about the unique opportunities and challenges advertisers face today. Cranberry Radio is proud to present Fjordcast with your host Tim Barsness,
1: Thanks for joining us on the Cast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjord, and today on our show we will be talking with Bill Thorburn about his Minneapolis-based creative and branding agency, the Thorburn Group. Welcome to the show, Bill. Hey, thanks,
2: Tim. Good to be here. So, Bill, when was the Thorburn Group founded? Oh, you're going to start with a tough question. <laughs> um, I think we're going on 23 years next year. Tim, we started in 1994, actually in my living room. My wife was four months pregnant with our first daughter, and if you want to challenge your relationship with your in-laws, I highly recommend that you try starting a business right before you become a father.
1: Sounds like it's, it's been a long journey. Hopefully, you instilled trust over time from your in-laws.
2: <laughs> I went from outlaw back to in-law again, so <laughs> it was a good thing.
1: That's great. How big is your team today?
2: We're about 15, but, you know, in today's economy, we expand and contract as needed. And so we're looking for, you know, especially in the creative side, we're looking for the right people to fit the right role uh, for our clients. But we have a core of about 15. And, you know, we started in 1984 with just me. And within about six months... We were in an office and we had about four people and we really never looked back. We had some great clients that supported us early on, Nike, ESPN, Microsoft, Neiman Marcus, Ralph Lauren. We did a little bit for some international brands like United Color, Benetton, and, and we actually did a trunk show for Yoji Yamamoto, a Japanese fashion designer. It was a fun first uh, couple of years for sure. Sounds like a good
1: time to start a business. Can you compare the environment in 1994 to what it is today?
2: Well, I think the problem solving was a little bit different. You know, I I think it's really become more and more challenging from a design experience. You know, back then, we surged into the marketplace as branders, and that was kind of a jump ball between ad agencies and PR firms and and design firms, but a lot of businesses that we competed against were really segmented into kind of more traditional modes. You had, you know, the guys that did corporate identity, the guys that did packaging, the guys that did um, corporate literature, mainly annual reports. And so we kind of changed the rules a little bit right from the beginning. And we said we'd really, and a lot of it was based on a lot of the trends were coming out of London, you know, with planners. And there was a whole kind of market growth during the Thatcher administrations around, giving branding firms or design firms, traditional design firms, the wherewithal financially to help move businesses from kind of a smokestack, you know, London and and Great Britain being a smokestack-driven economy to service economy and product and innovation. And so a lot of what was happening was coming out of Great Britain, and, you know, we were somewhat savvy to it, and we made the plunge in, in that direction. So you
1: were part of turning Great Britain into to what it is today? <laughs> Brexit? No. <laughs> Don't blame me for that. <laughs> right. So, what about the creative field? Kind of attracted you to it?
2: Well, it's a great question because I think as you, you know, as you grow up in a traditional, you know, kind of environment with a traditional education, creativity isn't exactly first and you know center and. Uh, first in line as far as careers that your parents are talking about or your, you know, high school teachers are talking about. And, you know, I kind of stumbled into it, to be honest with you. I had a teacher in high school that had gone to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design and, and you know, saw something, which I'm grateful they did, and, and directed me in, in that direction. And it completely changed, you know, everything about my life in a very positive way. You know, our first class, we showed up and we had this visiting, what they call a guest artist at MCAT. And they were, he was from California and he was decked out in in an orange, uh, you know, jumpsuit, just like the guys in Devo, Devo would wear. And he hopped in with his really cool Adidas tennis shoes and he asked us to pair up boy, girl, boy, girl. And we did. And then he asked us to turn to our partner and feel their face, every component of their face, their eyebrows, their hair, their earlobes, their lips. And you can imagine, you, you know, at asked. 17 or 18, no. <laughs> it was, it was awkward. I guess to, to, to paraphrase my daughters, um, high school, uh, my, um, teenage daughters, it was awkward. But we did it, and he threw us some bandanas, and he said, put it over your eyes. And he led us into a room, and he scattered us. And he said, take, uh, you know, take the bandanas off and find your partner. And it was pitch dark in that room, and so you had to just kind of stumble around, touching everybody's face. And finally, you, you, know, you were paired back with your, your partner. Now, you're probably thinking, like I did at the time, like, what the heck, right?
1: Yeah, what's the point?
2: But the point is, is that I think what, you know, kind of art school or an education in creativity does is that it kind of challenges you to look at the world differently and to kind of think outside of the box. And as as they would say, you know, at one point in your life, to kind of color outside of the lines. And that's incredibly valuable for a creative director or for a creative, someone who's dedicated their life to, you know, kind of looking at the world a little different.
1: You got it. What kind of companies does the Thorburn Group work with?
2: Well, we're you know if you think about companies and you think about where they're at in in kind of a brand dynamic, you know, you've got you know kind of upstart companies that are are just starting to kind of see the light and and get a little bit of momentum, a little bit of buzz in the marketplace, and they're looking to kind of go to that you know kind of higher level at in kind of brand recognition. You know, other brands that have been around a lot, you know, they maybe are on the downside of that brand momentum and they're looking to kind of reinvigorate themselves. And then some brands are just kind of plateaued and they're looking for a little bit of a little bit of juice. That's, those are the types of of clients that we work best with. We we approach all of our work from kind of a in kind of a transformational process. Got it. And yeah, so we don't care for us. It doesn't matter if they're small or large or midsize, that there has to be kind of a receptivity, if you will, to the idea that you can shift a brand. You can shift a brand, the perception of a brand. You can shift the behavior of a brand. And probably most importantly is that you can you know, help define a brand through something that's authentic to them, and that's
1: what you guys are doing. What's the What's the coolest thing you guys have ever done?
2: Well, we've had some. You know, I I, I guess I should start with saying that everything feels kind of cool, that's or it should. Yeah, I mean, I think we we're a little bit you know kind of a, you know kiddish in our approach to the work. I think we get very very excited to work with the clients that we have, and you know, we've worked with some great ones. We helped. Nike in the, you know, early on in the Atlantic Olympics in the, you know, mid-90s. You know, we worked with Porsche to help them kind of define their new Boxster as it came into the market. We've worked with Formica. We've worked with Harley Davidson. We've worked with Coca-Cola. I think some of the other ones that we've mentioned, you know, early on, Ralph Lauren and Neiman Marcus and Microsoft. So we've been really lucky. And then we've we've worked with some really great smaller brands, um, and we've worked with some brands that, you know, really need, you know, really kind of needed our help. Polaroid was one, you know, that we worked with. They had kind of lost their way, and they got a new CEO, and he had a brilliant vision, and, you know, we helped kind of surface them again. So
1: so you helped get you know, them back on track. We're excited about it all.
2: Yeah, we we worked with you on that, which was fantastic partnership. Of course.
1: So we need to take a break, but when we come back, uh, we'll be talking about what makes the Thorburn Group so successful.
0: Don't go away. George Cass with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors.
2: Are you paying too much for your paid advertising, or have you quit
3: altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste
2: 25% of their PPC spend on average – The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com.
3: Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix,
0: And everything in between. Cranberry.fm. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with cast only on Cranberry Radio.
1: Welcome back to Fjordcast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and we are here with Bill Thorburn of the Minneapolis based creative agency, The Thorburn Group. So, Bill, um, what's the next big step for The Thorburn Group?
2: Well, I think, you know, as you go back and kind of, you know, we started, you know, really solidly as a brand agency. We kind of came into the marketplace with that understanding. And I think what's, you know, kind of worked for us is, you know, kind of a breakdown of media and, you know, and the rise of the digital world. And I think it's brought us much more into kind of brand engagement in kind of non traditional ways. If you remember the work we did together on Polaroid, all that work was, you know, all it was saturating really the digital channels. We never did any traditional advertising. right? Um, And when
1: you think about Polaroid, I mean, pictures are everywhere. So how do you kind of aggregate the pictures that are being taken on Polaroid devices and kind of get them out to the masses everywhere else?
2: Well, I know in many ways they were the first social media company, right? I mean, it's sharing the imagery. Right. But it all started with the website, really. And the website became kind of the central point of the ecosystem. And then we would create content for the website and then, you know, kind of put it into the digital channels. So it was, I won't say simple, it was kind of obvious and and logical for sure.
1: Sure, absolutely. So what is it about the Thorburn Group that gets you guys into such
2: iconic brands as Polaroid, Nike, Porsche? Well, I think it's, you know, it's really, I hope it's passion and you know i think that's really what we're trying to create a culture around is is just a passion to do what's right a passion to do great work a passion to move our clients forward you know passion towards each other how do you create and that and if you passion? look at why well it is it you can't really manufacture it, it has to be real and i think we just try to keep our office you know kind of dedicated and focused to why we come in every day and we give the people that work here the confidence that they can do that type of work.
1: It seems like the uh, passionate culture needs to come from the top. I agree with I agree with what you're saying. Can you give us some general advice on how to do how you guys do
2: work in y- your field effectively? Well, if you go back to the word passion and if you look at why you connect with a brand or with a product, a lot of it is based on, you know, the emotional connection you have. And I think the most effective approach to the business and our business is that we, that passion translates into a real obviously tangible product for our clients, and that, that is, if you can't feel anything as a creative director, how do you expect anybody else to feel anything? And that's really what we're looking for, that passion leads to emotion, that emotion leads to a connection, you know, that connection drives action. So How do you that, know when you have that feeling and when you don't? Well, I think it's an instinctive thing. I think from my point of view, maybe the hardest thing you learn as a creative director is that there's a, a certain amount of trust in your instincts that you have to have. Got it. Is that something that you learned over time? Yeah, And I think that it is part of a larger dialogue. You know, it's part of understanding who your audience is. It's part of understanding what's authentic with the brand. It's part of, you know, kind of connecting the dots that the creatives are putting together. If you look at where, you know, kind of if you step back a little bit and you think about you know, that first class at MCAD, and you think about really what a creative is doing, that is, and what it and what the product needs to do, that is kind of the central role of the creative director.
1: So Bill, how was the Thorburn Group founded?
2: Well, gosh, you know, we started 23 years ago, 1994. We started actually in uh, my living room when my wife Krista was um, four months pregnant, if you can believe that. But we took off fast and we started getting some great recognition and great clients from the beginning. Nike, Microsoft, ESPN, Neiman how are you Marcus, guys getting into clients? Ralph like- I think it was a little bit of luck and a little bit of reputation. I had been for five years the design director for Dayton Hudson Marshall Fields, which was called the Dayton's Corporation, which is now the Target Corporation. They sold the department stores off. And so we were getting great recognition for the work we were doing. And we were making a lot of contact, especially with like Neiman Marcus and, and Yoji Yamamoto and United Colors of Benetton and Ralph Lawrence, specifically in that category. And it was just a nice transition uh, when we went and started our business.
1: So the transition for you went rather smoothly?
2: You know, we were in an office and we had four people quite quickly. We think probably within four to six months.
1: And how did that change from, you know, company out of your living room to having an office? What was that transition like? Well, it was fun.
2: And I'll tell you why, because really the greatest thing about you know, having an office is that you've got this community. And so it was an exchange of ideas and and it was a certain amount of energy and it was a certain amount of, you know, each person inspiring the other person and getting excited about the work. And, you know, we were, I thought it was fantastic. Whereas, you know, going more rogue and working out of the house, you were kind of constantly on the phone talking with people you were working with and it's just not the same.
1: Working with other people really does I help foster culture. creativity. Do you uh do you remember yes. the first three roles you hired? They were designers.
2: They were all three all uh three designers.
1: So all focused on designing. and, and they right? were fantastic.
2: Like yeah, exactly. And creative director and a lot of that changed a couple years later. We got much more involved in strategy. As the business grew, bringing in a general manager, bringing in a partner that could handle the strategic side of the business became essential to, I think, where we are today. And I think that evolution and that direction kind of, you know, kind of took its own course, which was, you know, as I look back now, you know, very, very interesting and kind of much more directional to where we are today.
1: Would you say that that direction that you took is something that you did with purpose or is it something that just kind of happened over time?
2: Well, I think our intent and our motives were there. I think it was really just kind of finding the right person. And that became apparent probably about 15 years ago when I I met my current partner, Pat Weiss, who heads up the strategic side of the business. Got it.
1: So Pat helps with strategy and you, you focus on creative? Exactly. It's a pretty standard partnership, but it sounds like it's working pretty well. How long have you guys been together? I'm gonna say close to fifteen years. I, I don't have a date on that one. <laughs> That's incredible. Longer than most marriages. <laughs> so we need to take another break. When we come back, we will talk about a little bit more from the branding world from Bill.
0: Don't go away. George Cass with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors.
3: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports.
0: eBrands.
3: Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators.
0: eBrands.
3: Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators.
0: eBrands. Cranberry.fm Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with George only on Cranberry Radio.
1: Welcome back to Fjordcast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and I'm here with Bill Thorburn of the Thorburn Group. Bill's previously mentioned that um, both strategy and creative are, are big parts of their business. Bill, can you talk a little bit about the, the marriage between strategy and creative?
2: Absolutely. You know, if you take that word strategy and and you replace it with insight, you know, that's really what's driving any great creative product. And so, you know, that comes through, um, you know, primary, secondary, competitive research. It comes through understanding, you know, the audience comes from understanding the mission, vision, and values of an organization. You know, it comes from cultural trends, And, you know, that becomes then the rudder. And from there, you start to define kind of the creative platform, which for us is kind of a a centering idea or connecting idea or brand idea, we've called it. It really is driving the engagement, the experience, the expression And that ultimately is what we talked about transformation and kind of relationships that work best at TTG. And that is what, you know, the foundation of what's driving that brand transformation.
1: So if you say that strategy or insight is the rudder, does that make creative
2: the sales? Oh, I like that. I haven't used that, but I think I might start. That's good. Got it.
1: How do you know where to steer? How do you tell me about the process to figure out where to take your insight?
2: Well, it kind of distills down into, you know, things that become more logical. You have a brand promise, you know, position. You have kind of brand pillars. We talk about the brand idea. And I guess if you took it into a communication platform, you would say there's kind of an inspirational side to the brand. There's an aspirational side to the brand, and there's an educational side to the brand. And so the insight has to kind of drive into those buckets, promise, pillars, the idea, and then you have to then drive some expression out of it uh, through character, brand character. We usually do a brand ethos that starts to elevate the strategic work into something more emotional. And then it becomes really, you know, kind of connecting the dot. You know, it's message mapping, it's communication plans, it's, it's contact planning, it's, you know, ultimately content development. Absolutely. So, Bill, you mentioned
1: the brand pillars. If you have a minute to take me through the Thorburn Group's brand, I'd be curious to understand the inspirational aspects of the Thorburn Group's brand.
2: Great question, Tim. And and you know, if you think about why you exist, why a brand exists in the world, that's the inspirational side. The you know, underneath that is the how you do it. You talked about brand pillars. Um, it's it's how you achieve the why, and then ultimately, it's the what. And we talked about educational tier of, on the communication platform. And that's the educational side. It's, it's product, it's speeds and feeds and whatnot. But if you think about it, and I think this has been proven out, is that purpose-driven brands, you know, brands that have a purpose within the world, you know, outachieve on the S&P by something like 382%. And that's really what you're trying to find. That's with a brand is, you know, why does it exist? What is its purpose in the world? and then the rest kind of falls into place underneath that. Got it. So,
1: I'd be curious to hear as the digital evolution has kind of taken place, how have you kept yourself and your your company relevant?
2: Well, if you go back to how a creative thinks and, you know, we were kind of talking about what we learned in art school and how we kind of thought about the world a little bit different. But if you kind of take the what the creatives do, in a thought process, and you kind of break it down um creating an experience is a really big thing, and you know for a creative, that experience could translate into a mobile expression. it could translate into a desktop expression, it could translate into a social media expression, it could translate into a a store that you walk into it could translate into a business card that you hand out. You know, it could translate into, you know, a magazine and, you know, kind of the engagement that you would have. And so what's maybe not changed and and more so evolved is the brand experience. And it's not a paradox. I mean, it's not a one or the other. It's really a paradox in in the sense that it is all of the above. All of those things. And I think the, the creative person you know, that sits in the middle of that is creating connections. They're thinking big pictures. They're thinking systematically. They're thinking in the terms of experiences, you know, on top of being creative and inventive and, you know, kind of crafting and art, artistry. And they're also thinking about, you know, and, and when we've worked together, you know, that UX side of it, that empathy, if you will, for the end user. That's incredibly important.
1: It's almost like you're saying if, if you stay at the core of the brand, all these other things, all the, you know, digital print, everything else is um, really just a, a tool to craft the message.
2: That's exactly it. And that's how the Thorburn Group works, is that we find that core idea, and then it's iterative, you know, kind of green to a blind man as far as the experiences that come out of that. Right. Do you see any, any big trends coming up in the branding world well i think you know the old way of doing it was you drive it through an ad you know you drive it through an event and i don't think you can do that anymore i think you really do have to kind of find this purposeful center of the brands i think orchestration would be the word i would use to answer that
1: <laughs> absolutely that's it for the fjorge cast today i'm your host tim barsness and thank you bill thorburn for being on
2: thank you tim great spending time with you
1: you as well You can find Bill at thethorburngroup.com. And thank you for joining us again. Uh, You can download episodes of our program by going to cranberry.fm or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and very soon, iHeartRadio.